We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Metroscope, an Intercom Radio Portland public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham, and on this show this time, we're going to be talking about some issues that many Native Americans in our area face, and also about a big celebration coming up in downtown Portland. On the show this time, I would like to welcome Joe Finkbonner. Joe is the executive director of the Northwest Portland Area Indian Health Board. Hi there, Joe. How are you? Hi, Gary. I'm doing well. Thank you. So let's first get started by uh, you telling me, what is the Northwest Portland Area Indian Health Board? It's, it's a good question, Gary, and it's often confusing because people have hear the name Portland Area in our entire name, and that's a little bit confusing for, for folks because they think it only applies to the Portland metropolitan area. But we really are a consortium of the 43 federally recognized tribes in Idaho, Oregon, and Washington, and we conduct uh, public health activities for all the tribes in those three uh, respective states. That's one thing I didn't realize is that there are 43 federally recognized tribes in the, in the three-state area. Yeah, yeah, 29 in Washington, um, 9 in Oregon, and 5 in Idaho. That's a lot. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, they tend to be smaller tribes in the Northwest versus other parts of the United States. You know, people tend to think of tribes like Navajo or Cherokee or Choctaw, which tend to have a larger population. But the tribes in the Northwest tend to be smaller in size, the largest being the, the Yakima and the Colville, which are about 15,000 and 11,000 respectively. And they, the average size of our tribes in the Northwest is about 2,500 members. Give me an idea of some of the work that you guys do. What, what, what kind of work are you doing? Uh, we, we do a variety of different things, everything from legislative and policy watch, where we uh, notify our tribes of any pending legislation, either in their respective states or federal legislation that might be going that might impact the administration of their health programs or their health systems. We also um, watch out for funding for that tribes might be eligible to and invite them to to partner with us in, in going after that funding or to do it uh, completely on their own if they have the infrastructure and ability to do so. Um, we also operate um, one of 12 uh, epidemiology centers that focus specifically on American Indian and Alaska Native health status. So we'll do projects like surveillance projects, which is really a fancy word for us to say that we will um, monitor um, either specific measures of, of health, and health being not just uh, the treatment of disease, but health as in terms of safety, um, you know, protecting themselves, immunization uh, projects, child safety seat monitoring to make sure that, that our, our tribes and their members are uh, not only um, utilizing child safety seats, but also uh, uh, um, uh, addressing their kids in there appropriately. So we'll, we'll do a variety of different projects locally at the tribal sites and, and really help them to really um, not only protect them from illness, but also advance their public health through um, a variety of different activities. Can you tell me about some of the history? When did, when did the Northwest Portland Area Indian Health Board get started? We, we started in 1972. 
and really was an advisory type of board to the Indian Health Services and to facilitate um, actual consultation, which is really an enhanced form of communication between the federal government and the, the tribes of the Northwest. So that was the original purpose of our board, and since that time, it has really evolved to tribes sort of taking over the responsibility and administration of their own health programs and using the resources that the federal government typically spent on delivering care, but instead contracting or compacting those funds and administering those services themselves. It really has advanced um, the health status of the tribes in the Northwest, not only with our public health and our epidemiology center, but also because the tribes are now developing their own health plans and setting priorities based on what their local community needs needs are rather than what the priorities and needs might be for the IHS headquarters in Rockville, Maryland. So it has really put a lot of emphasis of focusing resources on what the community wants to see addressed. So since 1972, you've seen some probably uh, pretty significant progress. We have. Um, Back in 72, the average life expectancy of an American Native male was 48 years of age. Um, and that has changed significantly to the modern day. We're only about four or five years less than the general population. So um, a lot of things related to not only the treatment of illness, but enhancing public health like water and sewer and, and access to immunizations. So uh, a lot of public health activities that have really um, sustained and, and lengthened the life expectancy of an American Indian that's born today. Tell me, what are some of the most important issues facing American Natives today? Diabetes, everybody knows that. Um, I think I should say, shouldn't assume that everybody does, but it's fairly well known that diabetes is a, a chronic disease that impacts the Native American population uh, at, at a greater uh, prevalence than it does the general population. Uh, and, and the chronic illnesses that go along with diabetes, the, you know, the, the, all the neuropathies that can happen, the below knee amputations, the kidney dialysis, and other long-term chronic quality of life issues that can go when you have the suffering from diabetes for a prolonged period of time. That's one. Um, Another is that we are really looking at currently um, addressing and trying to go after some of the funding for opioid abuse in our our populations, just like other populations that have been impacted by this uh, epidemic that uh, American Indians have also been, um, you know, have succumbed to that opioid addiction and and even to a point where they are uh, using illicit drugs. And so we are trying to combat it just like the rest of the population of how do we deal with this evil uh, uh, affliction that has happened to our our communities and and, and do it in a manner that's respectful and and reduce the stigma so that people seek out treatment and live a healthy lifestyle rather than uh, living the rest of their life uh, addicted to an, an opioid. Certainly seems like an opioid epidemic right now, doesn't it? Oh, it does. It, it's it's tragic in terms of how it all happens, but it happens. And then, and I think that the emphasis that uh, public health officials are trying to have is one: let's destigmatize it so that people realize that it, it can happen. You know, and, and that you're not weak because it's happened to you, but instead. Let's, let's develop solutions on how we combat this. Um, everything from having Narcan available for those times when somebody may have overdosed, we can save their life, and then hopefully they, they seek treatment after that and, and deal with that addiction. Um, and, and then are a functional part of their, their communities where they're you know, back to working 
and employing or creating an income for their families, sustain a lifestyle, and, and, and really everything that we want people to, to live for a long and happy life. Could you talk to us about some of the programs and projects you guys have going on? We, we have a diabetes project, so our, our project and focus in that is really to help the tribe set up diabetes registries and monitor the standards of care within their own clinic to make sure that, that they are meeting the American Diabetes Association standards of care for a diabetic, including foot exams, eye exams, uh, drawing lipids and, and uh, blood pressure to make sure that our patients are, are within normal limits so that we can reduce morbidity and mortality in those populations that are afflicted. Uh, we have a, a oral health or dental support project that we work with our tribes and our dental sites to help them not only with infection control, but also oral health um, um, promotion and prevention of, of, of dental caries um, and addressing and giving them information that um, really strengthen their services that they can provide to their tribal communities and, and, and many, many more, including our, our epidemiology and research arm where we're able... One of the things that... Well, let me back up a little bit, Gary, and talk about um, every summer we've been able to offer a summer institute in which we engage tribes from all over the United States and invite them to come to our organization for three weeks during the summer. And we have um, instructors from throughout the United States and Southwest and Northwest and Johns Hopkins and that come for three weeks here and in, and in our instructors and in classes and really to help to, to in workforce development for our tribal public health um, employees throughout the, the U.S. We typically have between 100 and 120 uh, public health professionals that show up for, during that three-week period and, and take week-long classes and um, really go back to their their home and uh, advance their their efforts in supplying public health services to their community because of the, what they've been able to learn here during the three-week summer, summer institute. We also have our diabetes project works with in partnership with Nike, and we invite folks, again, from throughout the U.S., to um, really learn the latest and greatest in terms of um, how to work with their populations on increasing physical activity. Of course, you know that controlling blood sugar is only one aspect of the diabetes, also getting them active and um, you know mobile so that they can reduce their own morbidity and mortality by uh, increasing the amount of exercise that they do. And it, and it doesn't need to be strenuous exercise. It can be you know, simply walking 20 to 30 minutes a day, and that can advance their health status um, significantly in terms of their quality of life. Um, and there are several other projects I invite folks to take a look at our website and really check out some of the projects that we have. Um, and I think that they'll be impressed with what we're able to do with the limited resources that we have. We're talking today with Joe Finkvonner, Executive Director of the Northwest Portland Area Indian Health Board. Now, Joe, tell me, how, how is the board made up? What, who is a member of the board? Um, Gary, we have uh, each of our tribes. We, in reality, we are owned by each of the tribes in Idaho, Oregon, and Washington. So the 43 federally recognized tribes that I mentioned earlier, and each tribe appoints through a tribal resolution or a letter from their their government head, either their tribal chair or uh, the tribal president, depending on the, the nature of their government structure. That says this is our representative that's going to sit on your board and speak to the health issues that are going on in our tribal communities and vote in a manner that will advance that the systems that are in place for their respective tribes. So we'll bring to them um, policy issues or 
uh, other types of issues, uh, even educational things and how we deal with funding that might come to the Northwest that, that it advances the, the individual needs of uh, the respective tribes, but also collectively. Uh, we look to maximize services throughout the Northwest. And, and one example of that is our tribes have been working for about the last eight to ten years and try to create these three regional specialty centers in which we're able to access access those for either same-day treatment or diagnostic screening um, that would uh, advance um, and and stretch the resources that are available within each of the tribal communities. We would have those specialty centers strategically located um, in Washington, Oregon, and Idaho, so that it would serve, maximize not only the population that would be able to access that, but to shorten the distance in which somebody would have to travel to be able to get those services as well. It seems like the Northwest Portland Area Indian Health Board has kind of four main areas of, of functional areas, I suppose. We've talked a little bit about health promotion and disease prevention, but let's talk about the other three. How about legislative and policy analysis? Yeah, yeah, we've we've got a, a good little shop here in terms of uh, the folks that we have that work on our legislative and policy analysis. We've got two folks that are experts in Indian health and Indian policy that that travel from D.C. to each of the state capitals and um, really work with our tribes to uh, look at legislative bills that might be in place and identify what those impacts will be. Um, an example recently that we've been working on is a couple of that uh, Indian Health Services. Uh, um, recently had um, money that was appropriated to it that would deal with the Indian Health Care Improvement Fund. And what that fund is, is a fund that's helped to address the, the funding allocation disparity that happens from area to area. And we looked at different formulas, and these two two really brilliant people that were involved in this looked at the formulas that are in place and how they they allocate that funding to bring everybody up to the same level and do the analysis to say, how is this best going to serve the tribes in the Northwest, and what are the areas that we really need to be mindful of so that it really um, lifts the level of the tide for all the tribes and not just float an individual boat, um, you know, because that doesn't benefit anybody if we just have a couple of tribes that are gaining from it or a couple of areas that are gaining for it, but we really want to take those tribes that are funded at the lowest level and lift them up so that we all have that ability to have an uh, equity in, in our treatment of care for our communities. One of the other areas is training and technical assistance. Tell me about that. Yeah, I, I did a little bit in terms of talking about our summer institute. We, we uh, do that every year for three weeks, but we also have just individual training sessions that we, we have a wonderful training center here that's set up with terminals. And we do everything from statistical software like um, SAS and SPSS, which are um, software applications that people use for, for really anal analysis of the data that they have in terms of their own clinic information, or even if they've done a surveillance project and they have information like um, how many people below the age of 25 you know, eat five fruits and vegetables every day. And you can do these different types of analysis for not only uh, monitoring health status, but also even forecasting what you think your your services might um, be in five or ten or fifteen years from now, based on that information that you gather. So we do that in our training center here at the board. And like I said, it's everything from statistical software to working with the the um, health information system that they have and teaching different modules that are a part of that health information system. 
Um, and, um, you know, updating people training because, you know, staff turnover happens in our tribal clinics. So we invite our tribes to send their, their new workforce to us and we will send them through a, uh, you know, a, a really wonderful courses that we have here that would um, advance their knowledge so that when they go back home, they're, they are struggling less to understand the, sometimes these very complicated systems, but instead we have a small enough classroom that it's very interactive. And the final area is uh, surveillance and research. Tell me about that. Yeah, um, our epidemiology center, we've got um, a wonderful group of researchers that are here that work with our tribes and surveillance projects like monitoring child safety seats. Um, We also have done some things on uh, toddler tooth decay uh, where we've done analysis of the level of dental caries that happens as a precursor for obesity later in life. Um, so we're really looking at um, let's address that uh, that short-term measurable uh, status of tooth decay and how that transfer translates because of the the caloric-rich environment that might be present to obesity later in life, which then we all know increases your risk for diabetes and other chronic disease. So we are really trying to help our, give our tribes information well enough in advance that they can make interventions and improve uh, the health status of their communities. So much education that, uh, frankly, everybody could use, right? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, very generalizable. And, um, you know, once you have that information, you're, it allows you to set up those interventions to do something about it. Yeah, information is power. It is. So tell me about, uh, you have something coming up, Indian Day Celebration. Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, Indian Day really started um, about, I'm trying to remember what year it was. I think it was 2006. Yeah, it was. So 12 years ago. And it, it was, um, there's, President Ronald Reagan had announced that there was going to be a National Indian Day, which was the fourth Friday of September. And nothing really is done about it or said about it. And, and we thought that what a wonderful way to really draw attention to not only all of the, the great Indian uh, organizations that we have in the Northwest, but also give an opportunity to share some of our culture that, that we are very proud of and, and what makes us special, we, um, at least what we believe uh, in terms of our unique culture, um, how we love to share and, and really uh, have fellowship with, with everyone. And, and so we thought there was no better place to do that than in, in the, the living room of Portland, and that's down at Pioneer Square. And certainly once those drums get going for the powwow, um, it really draws a lot of people in because that, that's just like a heartbeat when you hear those drums that people start gravitating to find out what's going on, and they really embrace not only the dancing but also the vendors that will be set up in the square. What day again was the was the event? It, it's usually the fourth Friday of September, but this year, because of other scheduling conflicts with uh, Pioneer Square, we had to move that, and it's going to be um, on September 7th, which is Friday. Yeah, it's, uh, I would imagine Pioneer Square is a hard place to get into. There's a lot of stuff it going is. on there. <laughs> yeah, especially around the, the end of summer. You know, that's <laughs> a difficult time to, to, to schedule anything short notice, but we try to get them usually well enough in advance and this year we just uh, got ousted by a, another event that was going there so so are you inviting the public at large to come and take part absolutely i hope everybody does have a chance to come down and even just walk through maybe check out the vendors and if uh, the dancers are going you'll see a little bit of our culture and our celebration that happens and um, you know there will be food and and lots of jewelry and other types of crafts that are down there and i, I hope everybody has a chance to if on their commute home if they're taking the max line home or 
any other way that they happen to be swinging by Pioneer Square that they'll stop in for a little bit and just enjoy the time. If our listeners have never been before, kind of give us an idea of what happens when you walk through the walk through the gates. What are you going to see? Yeah, you, you walk into Pioneer Square from either Broadway or 6th Avenue, and you're going to see that there'll be tables sent up that are not only uh, will have information about some of our tribal programs and our other tribal organizations that are in Portland. Um, OHS usually shows up, and they'll have... Um, they had a hearing clinic that was there. They've done other different things, and um, and uh, Jesse has been a partner with us on several projects with our tribes. So oftentimes they'll put information out then how they've worked with us, with our tribes, and help to recruit for some of our projects. Um, and then there'll be lots of vendors um, selling everything from uh, you know drawings and paintings to. Indian clothing that have specific tribal designs on them, or, or, or jewelry, and and those are always a big hit for with folks when they're walking around. And they see that there's lots of just beautiful jewelry that's out on the tables, and then there'll be a few few food vendors that are down there. Um, selling everything from Indian tacos, which is the fry bread with ground beef and, um, you know, other accessories that you, you throw on there, depending on your liking. And um, it's just a, it's a wonderful time to not only immerse yourself in the culture, but also maybe pick up an early Christmas present if you see something down there that you like. Oh, good idea. And, uh, and yeah. a powwow. Tell me, what is a powwow? Powwow, there are a couple of types of powwow. There are the spiritual powwows that usually take place in, in the winter that are more private, that the tribe does as part of its healing process and spiritual uh, healing. And then there's the celebratory powwows that happen that all of us think about, like the Delta Park in June. And then this powwow is just a short version of that. It's a celebratory powwow where um, we'll have dancers and drummers down there. Um, they'll sing songs, different types of songs, and we'll even invite people down from the crowd if they want to, uh, you know, dance with some of our dancers. And uh, and uh, it's, it's a wonderful time, and, and we hope that everybody has a chance to come down and, and just enjoy some of our culture and uh, how, how, what a thriving community that the Native culture is here in the, the, the Northwest. And can I assume it's a pretty family-friendly event? Absolutely very family-friendly, uh, drug and alcohol-free event. Um, we invite people to come down and spend as much time as they would like to and certainly stick around and ask questions if there's anything you don't understand. Um, we, we invite people to just freely ask questions. There's, you know, we understand that the tribal culture might be new to some people, and uh, we, we uh, want people to understand what we're doing and, and why it's important to us. That's great. And, and I would imagine kids have uh, such a curious mind. You have lots of things for kids going on? We do. We usually have a tiny tot section that happens, and they'll set up different activities for the kids. And we also invite the youngsters, if they want to uh, partake in the dancing, that we'll have a few tiny tot um, uh, dances that go on so that they can get out there and, and, and join the rest of the, the dancers out on the floor. In the last little bit we have here, Joe, tell us, what would you like people to take away from the Indian Day celebration? It's just a wonderful celebration of our culture and really to, to let people know that we're here and we're thriving and that well, despite uh, the, the adversity that we face in terms of our health status and, and you know, many other things that are going on in our tribal communities that we're, we're alive and well and we're a part of the community that um, is called Portland um, and we in, invite our neighbors and our friends and our family to come down and celebrate with us. And give me the time and date and location one more time. Yeah, Friday, uh, September 7th. Um, we 
start setting up early in the morning, and then the vendors are always there early. So um, I know at noon we have the Aztec dancers that are going to uh, put on a, a little bit of exhibition. And they'll, I, I think they're scheduled twice, at noon and at 6 p.m. So if you miss them at the lunch hour and you're getting off later, they'll, they'll um, do their exhibition again at 6 p.m. in the evening. Sounds pretty awesome. If somebody's looking for more information about the Northwest Portland Area Indian Health Board, where, what, where's the best place to go? Invite them to our website. Uh, it's www.npaihb.org. Uh, there's lots of information on there, not only about our organization and the projects that we have, but also you can see links to our tribes and give a little bit of uh, information not only about what their health clinic might be like, but um, we invite our tribes to edit those pages and share whatever information that they would like the, the general population to see. It looks like lots of information and, and resources, too, and, and even careers. Absolutely. We, we post jobs for all of our tribes, including our own organization. When we have vacancies, we post in it, and it's very well traveled. We get a lot of hits on our website. And so, um, you know, certainly if you're looking for a job or you have a job that you're offering, um, we invite people to contact us, and we're especially our tribes, um, that will help uh, post it and, and share that information so that the right, right candidate gets to the right, the right position. We've been talking today with Joe Finkbonner, Executive Director of the Northwest Portland Area Indian Health Board. Thanks for being on Metroscope, Joe. Thank you, Gary. Metroscope is an Intercom Radio Portland public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. If you're involved with a nonprofit or public affairs organization, or if you have an idea for an upcoming show, I'd like to hear from you. Visit MetroscopePDX.com and submit your ideas. You can also go to this station's website and submit your information there. Thanks for listening to Metroscope and enjoy the rest of your weekend. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.